I'm Bethany Dawson and welcome to My Classic Soul, the podcast dedicated to the best soul and R&B music throughout the decades. In our latest episode, soulmusic.com founder David Nathan and distinguished entertainment journalist Janine Coveney, former R&B music editor at Billboard magazine, discuss the Isley Brothers, recent lifetime achievement inductees into the Soul Music Hall of Fame. David and Janine focus on the compilation The Essential Isley Brothers, which tracks the family group's extraordinary six decades as recording artists, starting in the 50s with Shout and on through to a golden decade of non-stop classics in the 70s, including That Lady, Fight the Power, Harvest for the World and more. So let's join David and Janine as they share their thoughts about the Isley Brothers as musical pioneers. Welcome today to uh, My Classic Soul, our latest uh, adventure talking about uh, some of the pioneers and uh, great artists and great albums that uh, are really at the bedrock and foundation of soul music. It's a delight, as always, to talk to you. And I Thank know you for having me. It's a delight to be here, and I'm excited about our subject today. The Isley Brothers. When we talk about really an institution within the the realms of R&B, soul music, actually a music period, I mean, there are very, very few groups that have sustained and really literally uh, made hit records in, I think, six decades. I mean, starting with... um, you know, back in the in the late fifties, you know, with um, Twist and Shout and 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 Shout. I mean, you know, just re- absolutely incredible. Um, I mean, it's mind-boggling. It's almost hard to contain how much music the Isley family have made over all these decades. And uh, you know, what really preempted us choosing to have this conversation today is the fact that the uh, the Isley Brothers were recently inducted into the Soul Music Hall of Fame online by popular vote and, and very deservedly so. So that was the uh, catalyst for us having this conversation. You know, it was hard. Uh, you and I did have a conversation about it was hard to pick one album. So what we've right. chosen uh, is to do something called the Essential Isley Brothers, which allows us to talk about so many different aspects of the growth of their career uh, as one of really, really, in many ways, one of the first families of, of, of soul, R&B, pop music. Um, and so we, can, we get to actually cover so much of, of, of what they've done within the time frame that we have. So when I say Isley Brothers to you, Janine, which I just say the Isley Brothers, what's the first thing? response you have what's your first reaction to just mentioning their name excitement um i love the isley brothers and they made a big impact on me as i was coming up mm. and um i just thought that they sounded different now granted when i was coming up at, you know, when I became conscious of music, it's going to be like the early 70s. So while I had heard Twist and Shout and Shout and this old heart of mine, it, it was kind of like a 
background, right? But when I heard that opening salvo guitar lick on that lady, it literally electrified me to their sound. And between the guitar and Ron's satin soul voice, I was constantly mesmerized by them because they seem to meld rock sensibilities with funk and soul in a way that um, only very few other bands were doing at the time and certainly not at the level that the Isleys were doing. Mm -hmm. And another thing that struck me about them was the quality of their lyrics. Because when you and I talk, David, you know, I'm a word person, I'm a writer, I'm always about the lyrics. And I think it's key to note that their songwriting was really um, unique, I would say. So when you say the Isley Brothers, I'm thinking, who's that lady? Footsteps in the dark, Mm. fight the power, um, voyage to it, Atl- you know, I could go on and on and even album cuts that I loved. So I get really excited about it. So I, what do they mean to you? Well, um, the first thing I say is, is um, the first thing they mean to me in terms of, of who, who the Izzy brothers are in relationship to the world of soul music is, as I said, an institution. What do they mean to me musically? Um, you know, I, I recall um, being familiar with them in the around 1964, because that would have been the time that I would have um, started to really collect records. I was a teenager in London, you know, um, and, and a little bit before that is when I, I think I first started buying records. Um, so my introduction to the Isley Brothers actually came through a, a British singer, or she, she would probably not like me calling her British, she's Scottish singer, by the name of Lulu. Mm-hmm. And Lulu, of course, known to many American uh, uh, record buyers for uh, To Sew With Love, but Lulu's first uh, hit was her rendition of the Isley Brothers' Shout. And, you know, it became like funny in England because you could hear Lulu go, well, and he was kind of like this tiny, you know, redheaded. She was essentially a teenager. She was a teenager at the time, mm-hmm. um, you know, on our TV screens, you know, doing this like real like, you know, rock. We didn't call it rock. I mean, she was just kind of like, you know, it wasn't she wasn't like, you know, prim proper you know, to so with love singer, she was this like raunchy, like, yeah, your teenager, you know, RB. And she was much in the tradition, and uh, you know, of the Beatles, who, of course, and that whole era of artists who really um, were so um, uh, influenced by it and, and so had such passion and love for American RB. So, I mean, the, how I heard Twist and Shout was through the Beatles. Because they mm-hmm. covered it, and so that was really my introduction to the Isley Brothers. And then they did a tour in in Britain in 1965, I think it was. It might have been 64. I didn't go because I wasn't allowed to go on, on, on sh- you know to go out to concerts at that time. Uh, I was underage. <laughs> um, 
was they were on a show. They did a tour of Britain with Dion in Britain known as Warwick, uh, in Britain known as Warwick, and um, in America's Warwick. And um, so the Isaac Brothers, Dion, and some British groups, the Searchers, and so on. So they, they, they established themselves, you know, somewhat in, in Britain. And then, my, so when, when I think about the Isaac Brothers, as the first thing I think about, you know, their history and my first connection with them. But, and when I think about the music, um, you know, I think there are a few few songs before they really became before they became uh, the IZ Brothers plus three, which was the three plus three, which is when um, you know the uh, when Ernie and Chris Jasper, brother-in-law, and Marvin joined them, the younger brothers and and Chris as a as a family extended family member uh, became part of the IZ Brothers. Then they went from the three guys to the six. So during that time period when they were still three and a, basically a vocal trio, you could say, um, uh, there were some records they, they, they did on their own label, T-Neck, because that's another thing about the eyes was they, had, they were businessmen and they had T-Neck records, but they didn't just start, which didn't just start, you know, um, with three plus three, but was already a label distributed by Buddha records. Um, and the songs I remember from that time, I love the one you're with covers that they did. They did don't love the, love the one you're with. Uh, they had uh, done a cover of a, a, an Eric Burden and, a, and war song called uh, spill the wine. Mm-hmm. Um, so they would, they, they, they would take these songs and turn them into like almost like epics of their own. You know, so that was that. Those are things to think about. But then going on, which of course we're going to talk much more about, uh, 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 this whole golden era of the from the mid seventies, really onwards, where they became a real, they became a fixture in the world of R and B and soul music. And that lady, which you mentioned, of course, was the beginning of that whole era, which of course was the lead off single from that first album. Uh, with the three, the three plus three, yeah. um, and 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 just thinking about the songs, even just on that album alone. I mean, that's the beginning of it. Um, just uh, don't let me be lonely tonight. Even the cover of the James Taylor song. I mean, you know, just I mean, beautiful, beautiful vocal arrangement. I mean, Ron Isley. You know, man. I mean, there, there, there aren't. There's really nobody who sounds like Ron Isley. No one. True, and he still sounds the same decades later. He yeah. is able to maintain his instrument so well over the decades, and um, I don't know how he gets his stamina and his tone, but really his his voice has always been so captivating mm. and he is able to scale the funkiest funk and you know the hardest gospel screams and shouts of you know some of their up-tempo music mm-hmm. and then turn utterly tender and just magical on slower songs and, and as you mentioned his incredible ability to interpret other people's work it is mm-hmm. phenomenal phenomenal well one of the other songs that from that first i, I say first album i keep referring to his first album because it's not the first album but it's the first album of the, the of the six of them together is summer breeze crofts 
I mean, just, I didn't really know the song before then because, I mean, I mean I'll confess that, you know, I was so deep in soul and R&B that I didn't really pay much attention to pop or rock or anything else, really. I might have heard it. I don't really recall uh, necessarily hearing the song, but certainly on that album, I mean, Summer Breeze, you know, the Isley Brothers, I mean, that is just it's classic. It's classic. Let's move on to talk about the length of their career and the music that was on this on uh, that's on this one collection. So let's let's hear from you, Janine, about so that that lady kind of sets sets off the stage sets the stage for you for your real like introduction in a sense to the Isley Brothers. What would you say was the next um, piece of music that held you captive in terms of the, the, what the Isley Brothers style, their sound? What would that have been? Um, I think it's a song that was a hit for them uh, off of that three plus three album, what it comes down to, which is kind of a clever little love song. Um, and then you had the, the next album after the three plus three, where you had um, for the love of you and oh. brown eyed girl, which I loved. Um, and, and again, equally adept at up-tempo stuff and slower um, material. They did a cover of Work To Do, um, which was, wait, is that Work To Do their song? Wait a minute. It's their song, uh, the cover that you might be it's referring to. Uh, much song. Later, yes, it came much later, which was, uh, of course, um, Vanessa Williams is one of the people who did it, but that's their song. AWB, Work to do. AWB, Average White Band. Yeah, cool. yeah, yeah. I forgot about them for a moment. Yeah, yeah, definitely an Izzy Brothers song. And then, of course, the Harvest for the World album and that song, which was so amazing because, you know, the conditions that existed at the time when the Isley Brothers were having those that big string of hits was within the same period of, of Marvin Gaye's, um, you know, what's going on. And it just looking at the world, so often R&B tended to look at love and relationships and that is important, but the Isleys were also promoting a sense of humanity and concern for the world at large and promoting liberty and independence and self-expression um even as far back as you know love the one you're with and um all of that stuff so that to me was part of the magic as well mm. well i, I don't want to uh, step over one of the songs that you mentioned which is remains one of my um i, th I think if i had to list uh, i think it is within my top five easily top five uh, favorite Izzy Brothers songs, and that is For the Love of You. I mean, I thought that the, the poetry, it was, it's, for me, that's poet, that's poetry. That is, for me, the essence of what, when, when, a, when someone creates language like that in a song, but For the Love of You, yeah, For the Love of You is just a beautiful, tender, quint, I mean, it's a quintessential love song to me. And, you know, I know that a few people have done it since, of course, 
um, in the eighties, Whitney Houston covered it. Um, and it was one of the first, I think it was one of the few covers she ever recorded in fact, but just a beautiful song. And, um, but I also want to talk about, you, you mentioned Harvest for the World, which I think again, um, is even as appropriate now. I mean, you know, there's certain songs that are, uh, that come out of, uh, of a catalog, which really, when we say timeless, they are applicable in many, many different eras. And I think harvest for the world, when will we, when will we have a harvest for the world? I mean, right now, boy, I tell you, if someone were to take that song and do it over, it, this is that time. And if they didn't want to do it over, we've got the original gorgeous, gorgeous song. I mean, really, really. And um, in the same vein, but not the same sentiment, um, what do you think about Fight the Power? Fight the Power is a really seminal song, not only for them, but for Black culture as a whole, because you have this sense of, you know, we're not going to take it anymore. We're going to, you know, fight the powers that be and take control of our lives. And this is a sentiment. This was the, you know, um, civil rights continuation of civil rights. This is, you know, again, a, an outcry against conditions about um, political uh, chicanery that keeps black people down just on every level. And because the song was so powerful and just even in its instrumentation, it's very powerful and, um, uh, you know, serious. It it's like the first battle cry of Black Lives yeah. Matter before Black Lives Matter yeah. to, to the degree whereby that phrase was adopted even later by um, Chuck D and Public Enemy. Let's pause there for a quick break. Then we'll return to David Nathan and Janine Coveney as they continue to talk about the Isley Brothers and their classic recordings of the 70s and beyond. Now on Soul Music Records in association with Platinum Garage Recordings, Preston Glass presents Love and Compassion, Volume 3. The third volume of the successful Preston Glass Presents Love and Compassion digital album series, continuing the positive messages of the previous two volumes. It includes guest artists Larry Graham, Chubby Tavares, Debbie Sledge, Robin S., and The Temptations' Ron Tyson. Preston Glass Presents Love and Compassion, Volume 3, is out now on all digital platforms. I just want to ask you this because I'm not sure. You know, a question I have: Has the uh, fight the power uh, been used um, in recent in, within the course of this year, w w when the whole when the Black Lives Matter really really coalesced, uh, unfortunately under such tragic circumstances? But nonetheless, it has. It's really a world. It's now a global movement. 
uh, I don't know if it's if that song has been used in any way. Uh, it, 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 it was like an anthem, one of the anthems for it, because it really is a pro. If you listen to the lyrics of "Fight the Power." Now, of course, it's true to say that nowadays that's probably true for it, it goes beyond Black Lives Matter. It's like we all need to fight the power because there's some, you know. So I'm going to use an Izzy Brothers line. Uh, something about stuff that's going down. Oh, uh, what is that? Where did that come from? An uh, Izzy Brothers song, which they say stuff going. Yeah. You know what song I'm talking about? Oh, my- I know. <laughs> um. Take me to the next phase, I think. Maybe. Again, we need to. We need, I need to quit. Uh, you know, trying to quote lyrics if I'm not going to know what I'm quoting before I say it. No, but that's the within the is. song. That's within "Fight the Power That Be." That fight the power that be. Yeah. Time yeah. is truly wasting. Go on. There's no Go guarantee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With all yeah. this. Bullcrap going down. That's, That's it. It's in the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so it's an appropriate song for it right now. It totally. really is. I haven't heard it used um, in that fashion. And as we know, when movements or individuals adopt songs by artists, sometimes there's a problem in terms of copyright and permissions. But right. certainly that song embodies um, that sense of um, fighting back and and yeah. not in the sense of, of violence or no. tearing things down, but just making things better for, for everyone in, in humanity. Um, and that seems to be a thread through many of their songs, Harvest for the World, Take Me to the Next Phase, Love the One You're With, um, it's the pride. It's the pride. The pride. The pride, the pride. Yes. All of yes. these um, songs of of empowerment and strength and mm. standing up for for who you are is just part of the Isley's musical legacy that makes yes. their recorded output so strong. Yes, absolutely. And I was thinking about the the one of the um, the albums that we you, well one of the songs you mentioned. There are two songs on um, "Go for Go for Your Guns," which was actually their one, two, three, third platinum album. Um, they had one, two, three, four, five, five number one R&B albums in a row. Wow! Um, yeah, and we should say that at that time period. You know, we're talking about the you know, from '73. All the way through to seven to, to actually the end of the decade, pretty much to, to 1980. You know, and the only other group that I can think of that had the same kind of appeal and that 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 you know really was a super group, not the only one, but certainly uh, contemporaneous was Earth, Wind, and Fire. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, the Isley Brothers and, the, and Earth, Wind and & Fire, they were like, you know, wow. And I did go and see the Isley Brothers shows, um, certainly in the period of, in the same, 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 same period, 75, 76, 77. And they put on a show, Janine. I don't know if you got to see, I, I, I doubt that you saw them at that time because of your youth. <laughs> 
but I did. The 70s, I was a teenager. I was, start, I was exactly. becoming a teenager. So exactly. I did see the Isley Brothers. And in fact, I, I think I saw them on a bill with a young, young, young Jackson 5. So. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Madison well, I just Square remember. Garden. Yeah. I, I remember seeing them at, at Madison Square Garden, and that would have been around 76, 77, I think, something like that. And I mean, just um, amazing stage show because, you know, there were six of them, you know, and, and three of them instrument, in play, you know, Ernie Isley, of course, one of the most spectacular guitarists in the world. I mean, still renowned and considered to be that. Um, and just the, the whole um, stage show. And when Ron would sing um, some of those best, Voyage to Atlantis, you mentioned that earlier. But that, if they did that in a show, I mean, the whole audience would just be like mesmerized. Mm -hmm. I mean, just wow. And then the another for me quintessential Isis uh, ballad, "Footsteps in the Dark." Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. oof. and again, it's the magic of the instrumentation with the voice and the lyrics that created this magic much in the way that um maze did with a really unique lead singer instrumentation and lyrics they're able to weave this magic around yeah. you you know we know that r&b has its share of of love ballads but something about the Isley Brothers was certainly mesmerizing just think of the beginning of Footsteps in the Dark that just unique rhythmic start to it and of course that's been covered and sampled many times because no one sounded like the Isley Brothers right, right. yeah so it's yeah it's interesting one, the one thing that did distinguish them and you mentioned Frankie Beverly and Mays, and, and, and we, I mentioned Earth, Wind, and Fire. Um, statistically, uh, Mays never crossed over, so to speak, to a pop audience. Um, right. Very rarely had any success, you know, at, 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 you know with, with basically pop audiences, mainstream audiences, uh, and they stayed very... Um, much in, in with a with a with a primarily black audience and who supported them through decades. Yeah. Earth, Wind, and Fire, you know, was a little was definitely more in one sense mainstream in terms of appeal. Um, and then the Isley Brothers kind of like somewhere in the middle of that because because they did have some of the albums, you know, did do really well on the pop charts. I mean, they did really they they did get airplay. But I think I think that they were still considered. Uh, they weren't. I don't know. That's an interesting conversation about you know. I wonder if it has to do. Appeal. Yeah. I wonder if it has to do, David, with the presence of rock guitar in their music to such a high degree. Um, certainly, at the start, like the Who's That Lady era, we weren't used to hearing screaming electric guitar like that in music. We were used to maybe more West Montgomery sounding um, fills in, you know, in the break of the song or whatever, something sweet and pretty. We weren't used to like, rah, 
you know, that Ernie was able to give us. And um, mm -hmm. I wonder if that helped with their crossover to a pop audience. I don't know. I'm just. I, I think you're I think you're absolutely right. In fact, I think there was they had they cultivated a rock audience. And, you know, it's worth noting, of course, Jimi Hendrix um, was their guitar player back in the in the, you know, before the they early really broke through, you know, but in the 60s, uh, the, the mid 60s, early 60s, uh, I think probably more mid 60s. Um, so they had that already had that in there. And in fact, some of those other songs that we talked about, some of those um, albums from the before they really had a breakthrough. I'm, I'm thinking about, um, you know, um, the album Brother, 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 which has on a, an album, a song called uh, Apart From Work to, Work to Do, which has uh, Lay Away. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just the whole, uh, you know, that introduction of the, the guitar was very, you're absolutely right. That, that probably is what happened. And also yeah. when you look at their cover songs, the songs that they chose to adopt mm -hmm. as their own and redo, most of those were soft rock songs. They, yep. they redid James Taylor. They redid Seals and Crofts. They redid yep. Todd Rundgren. Mm -hmm. These were songs that were on pop radio by rock stars that they adopted. And certainly people knew the songs and yep. the Isleys were able to make them their own and bring them to a new audience, but also satisfy the pop audience as well. Yeah, you just reminded me of a song, just looking to see which album it was on, called Hello, It's Me. Oh, here it is. It's on Live It Up. Live It Up. Yes, 1974. So really, I mean, you know, the, the, the other thing I just think want to make sure as we wind down, you know, that to say that, um, you know, a, 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 in this essential Isley Brothers collection, it literally takes, uh, takes us through the whole journey of the Isley Brothers, including their little pit stop at Motown. They didn't stay at Motown very long. But they said they're long enough to create a classic, which uh, is endured through decades and decades. This old heart of mine. Mm -hmm. And they only made a couple of albums at, at Motown. They weren't really a, because they didn't really fit into the Motown mold, so to speak. And much like Gladys Knight and the Pips, they were like an import into Motown rather than like a part of the Detroit homegrown crowd um, of artists. But they, yeah, that this whole heart of mine, I mean, still today, I mean, I don't know anybody or somebody of my age who doesn't know the song. I'm sure you do too. Yeah. And it was redone. Yeah. Rod Stewart had a massive hit with it. Massive Other hit people with have. It. Yeah. Uh, so there's that. And, the, and, then, and then we go all the way through to towards the end of, the, uh, of this particular collection where um, now Ron Isley, you know, as a solo artist, Mr. Big. You know, has gone through uh, several transformations in terms of image, and is now—I uh, don't quite know how you would describe Mr. Big's image. So I'm not going to try. How would you describe it? Well, he's—he's he's like the the big daddy of R&B now. He's—he's he's the eminence grease, if you will, of you know, with his his cane and his jewelry and his suits, and he's kind of earned this position as the godfather, not the godfather of soul necessarily, because we know that uh, James Brown, Brown has Mr. will ever yes. uh, maintain that space, that title. But he is, uh, 
he's been through it all. As we mentioned at the top of the show, I think the Isleys are approaching their seventh decade as a performing entity. He and um, his younger brother, Ernie, are still booking shows. I saw that they have a a run of shows booked in 2021 over in Europe. Whether they'll perform them or not, I don't know. But this Mr. Big, he is Mr. Big in terms of having seen it all, sung it all, sung with everybody, been on every award show. They've been inducted into the Rock Hall of Fame. They've been inducted into the Soul Music Hall of Fame. He's that guy, and he's wearing the persona. You know, it suits mm-hmm. him. Yeah, I mean, it's quite it's quite a stretch to go from um, shout and twist and shout to on the down low. Well. China yeah, exactly. That's the only response is well. Well. <laughs> you make me wanna and you see we can't help it, can we, Mr. Lee? We can't help but break into something. Um <laughs> anyway, uh just a really a great way to salute uh the legacy of the Isley brothers. Um yeah, we should say also just in passing that Chris Jasper um you know is still a a a contemporary recording artists, more in the world of, 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 I think uh, you'd say um, gospel music, but not strictly gospel, but message music uh, that that has a a gospel flavor. That's been his choice as a solo artist. And uh, he still makes records. And um, so, yeah, and Ernie, Ernie, of course, has made a few solo records along the way, and, of course, Ron as well. So a really great way to pay tribute to, uh, to one of the true foundational groups and families of what we call soul music. Absolutely. I can't say enough about the Isley Brothers. They've earned their place in the pantheon of of soul greats. And it's been so fun talking to you about them. I could talk about each individual album for hours and hours. But I think we have to leave it right here, David. All right. Janine, great. Take care of yourself. Thank you. And uh, let's just create a harvest for the world. Indeed. Fight the power. That's right. All right. (laughs) Okay. Thanks, David and Janine. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform and visit us for breaking news and daily updates about your favorite soul and R&B artists over at soulmusic.com. I'm Bethany Dawson. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time on My Classic Soul.